0: Welcome to the New Books Network. Would you like to learn about the Pentateuch from a Jewish point of view, digging deep into the plain meaning of the Bible stories and commandments? To Know Torah is an enlightening encounter between a contemporary interpreter and the celebrated tradition of Torah commentary throughout the ages. Tune in as we speak with Ephraim Kamiel about his five volumes, To Know Torah. You're listening to New Books in Jewish Studies, a channel of the New Books Network, and I'm your host, Michael Morales. Dr. Ephraim Chamiel obtained his education at Medrashiat Noam, Yeshivat Kerem Beyavne and the Hebrew University. Ephraim, welcome to New Books in Jewish Studies. Thank you. It's nice to be here. So, Ephraim, please tell us about yourself before we turn to discuss your books on the Torah.
1: Okay. Uh, my name is uh, Ephraim Chamiel or in short, Effie. I am 77 years old, live in Jerusalem, all my life, born in Jerusalem. I'm married, I have four boys and 10 grandchildren. I uh, served as a banker with Bank Lumi for 37 years, uh, in between five years in LA. And I have few, I have few, I studied a few years in, in the Hebrew University. I am now, uh, I have my PhD in, uh, in Jewish thought, especially in the modern era of the Jewish thought. And uh, if you know Hebrew, you can go into Wikipedia and read about me in Hebrew, unfortunately not in English.
0: Um, yeah, that's about me at this moment. Would you tell us about the Torah cycle of reading and Torah's role in Judaism? Okay, um the Torah in Judaism
1: is the basic book of Judaism. It all started with with the Torah, or as we as you call it, the Old Testament. That's when Judaism starts. Um, the tradition of Judaism, we believed that it was given to Moses during the forty years in the desert after they were released from Egypt. Then some researchers are, are thinking differently, but in any case it's uh, it's it's very old, few thousand years old, and it's the basic of Judaism. Um our sages in the in the old era they have um divided the Torah into uh into a cycle of reading that every Shabbat, every Shabbat we read one portion uh, out of uh, uh, 52 weeks. So it was divided actually to 50 portions, and we read one portion usually uh, every Shabbat in the synagogue. And it all started from the Torah, and everything else in Judaism is. Uh, is actually based on that, and is uh, is uh, you say, perush, uh, is an explanation of what's written in it.
0: Now, there have been many approaches to interpreting Torah throughout history, whether Peshat, Remez, Drash, or Sod. Could you explain your approach and why you chose it? Yes, there are many
1: uh, commentaries, very different uh, systems, how to uh, explain the Torah and what's in it, as you said. And uh, I prefer uh, the pshat, meaning to read the plain meaning of the text before you go into uh, Midrash and, and sometimes you go into Mystery, Kabbalah, or, or Philosophy. You know, the Rambam says that, uh, that the Torah is actually a philosophy book and uh, the way i read it is to try to understand the plain meaning of the text and my system is is a different genre from all other uh, commentators before me i decided i will go through the text through the text explain it and and tell it in a simple in a simple Hebrew or english as i can and a uh, based on about hundred sharp commentators that i read and i chose from them the best that i think is is actually the plain meaning of the text and in some cases where i didn't find something that i like i tried to find something myself but most of it is an a collection of uh, other commentators, which I, in my my comments, in my notes, I send the reader to the sources, to the commentary sources, so that if you plan something to say on Shabbat, you can go read the
0: sources and come up with something to say to your listeners. Your commentary forms something of a synthesis of previous interpreters. Along the way, did you discover favorite interpreters? What would you say are your top three that perhaps resonate with you the most? Actually, yes. Out of these hundred
1: commentators, uh, I wrote my commentary, La Dara Torah to No Torah, I wrote it after I finished my PhD. My PhD I did on a few thinkers of the 19th century. Who uh, who uh, try to combine uh, philosophy with with Judaism. Um, they decided that they want to hold on to modernity and at the same time keep the Jewish uh, the Jewish belief in the Torah. So these commentators in the 19th century, I like them very much. One of them is. Yurtzato, Shmuel David Luzzato, and we call him Shadal, um, I liked his commentary very much. And the other one was uh, Shimson Raphael Hirsch, yeah, from Germany. Shadal was from Italy, and Nashal Hirsch is from Germany. I wrote my PhD on their thought, but during researching them, I went through their commentary, and I like very much the way they look at the shot of the text at the plain meaning of the text as a book of ethics a book that is wants to teach us how to be good people better people and that's the way they uh, they they read all all the text of the torah and i like this uh, this approach and i adopted it in my commentary and uh, against some others other commentators we wanted to say that the Torah is cruel and uh, very egoistic. Uh, I am showing in my in my research, in my commentary, that it's not true. Uh, and and according to Shadal and Rasharhish, also on top of these two, I have uh, the three others that influenced uh, me. One of them is my father, who also wrote something on the the Torah. The other three are uh, uh, Moshe David Kasuto, who was uh, uh, actually a follower of Shadal. And uh, the two Leibovitch brothers, Nechama and Yeshayahu Leibovitch, each one of them wrote commentary on the the Torah. And, And those people are the commentators that influenced me.
0: Now, to get a taste of some of your Torah interpretation, would you talk to us about Parashat Lech Lecha, the calling of Abram, including its relation to the previous failures of humanity? Yes, I. Uh, I'm not the first one to say that, but if you read
1: it, uh, you know you read through the stories in the beginning of the, of the of the Chumash of, uh, of Genesis, uh, you can see that actually the torah is telling us that god has made new trials on humanity to see which one can stay on and and keep what god wants it to wants wanted to get from us okay so the first trial was in in uh, in in gun eden in in the garden of eden uh, okay, God was trying to uh, get humanity to be in in the Garden of Eden, but it didn't work because uh, all of us we know that Adam and Eve couldn't couldn't hold on to the instruction of God, and it was the great the great sin. It failed, so then God was uh, throwing them out from Ganneden from the Garden of Eden. And they tried to build the uh, uh, humanity outside again, on, on you know on the regular conditions of life, and uh, it also didn't work because uh, because of lust and and thieves and and all kind of of uh, sins, God has to bring the flood. Uh, God had to bring the flood on earth and diminish almost everything except except for noah that was chosen to continue humanity and go to the third to the third trial of god with humanity Uh, it looks like uh, it didn't work as well because uh, humanity as we know the story of the the tower of babel the babylon the tower of babylon and the people there didn't behave properly, and God had to spread them over around the world because they they couldn't keep up with what God was, was trying to, uh, to get from them. they good people, people who are looking for, for ethics and morality, and since they, they didn't, he had to uh, spread them all around. So then God decided, OK, if it doesn't work with all humanity, I will have to choose one person and his family. And from them, I will try to uh, establish my teaching, and they will teach it, teach it to the other nations. So he chose Abraham, or maybe Abraham chosen, chose him. We don't really know how exactly it started, but they made a nice joint venture. And uh, God decided to teach Abraham uh, the way of morality. And uh, Abraham was 75 years old when it all started. Um, So this was uh, the last uh, trial of God. And since then, we are on the road Um, Came Christianity and Islam. They, are, they all came from the Old Testament and the the spirit of Abraham is now
0: almost all over the globe and that's the way the Torah looks at it you note in the introduction to your Genesis volume that while following the plain sense of the text and following the interpreters of past ages in Judaism yet you do provide occasional innovative readings of Torah passages did you give us uh, some examples of your fresh readings i'm willing to give you uh, three three of those readings first of
1: all you know we have a, a holiday called rosh hashanah rosh hashanah is the beginning of the year that's the that's the day we celebrate uh, our day of judgment with god and on that day we read few portions from genesis the story of a uh, Abraham and Ishmael, and Abraham and Isaac. And actually, I read that story together with my father and, and Uri Simon, two commentators, very interesting. They are saying that we don't have here one Akeda of Abraham with Yitzhak, but we have two Akedot. We have one with Abraham and Ishmael that he had to send Hagar and Ishmael away. This was the first Akeda for Havrah. And then with Yitzhak, he had the second Akeda. So this story started with the story of Ishmael and Agar and Abraham, and finished with the story of Yitzhak and, and Abraham with the Akeda of Yitzhak on the top of Moriah Mountain. So the story is one story. In between, there is a small story that Avimelech is. is Calling Abraham and and tell him you have to sign uh, um, you have you have to sign something with me a contract and he said to him you did what you did with 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 Ishmael but you cannot do this to my son or my grandson so you swear to me and let's make a contract that you'll be a good neighbor, and you are not going to do to me what you did to your son. So Abraham agreed, they signed the contract, and but God heard this. And he said, oh no, Abraham didn't do this to Israel because he is a bad man, or because he decided to be immoral. He did that because I told him that Israel doesn't fit to the family, to the moral family. Not because Abraham is not a good man. And if you think that Abraham loves Isaac more, you will see that if I instruct him to do something to Isaac, he will do it. Because he does what I what I tell him to do, what I command him to do, he does. So that's why God has decided to do this trial with Abraham. Joseph Avimeles was a Gentile who, who doubt, doubted Abraham. Then God that says, "Okay, we'll do something that will show all humanity that Abraham is actually a good man, but he does the good deeds because God is telling him to do that." That's one thing. The other thing is how to understand the God instruction, God's, God's command to to Abraham to slaughter his son just like this. I mean, without after all the promises you made to him. He gives him instruction to slaughter his son? I mean how could we the model generation understand that? And in order to understand that I give five ways that a modern reader can explain to himself these instructions of God. How God is commanding something like that with a with a black flag, with a black flag on it? How can it how can it happen and i try to explain it and i call each one of you hey, you can open the book and read the five ways i suggest and one of them one of them is the psychological uh, way of reading the psychological approach according to this god never told Abraham to do that it was a fight between uh, Abraham himself, in his mind, one voice in him called him to slaughter his son for God, like all idol worshippers were doing at that time, and another voice in him is telling him, "Don't do that. You are a moral person. You are different. You cannot do it." So all the story is actually a psychological story that happened in Abraham's mind. And eventually, he listened to the good voice in himself, and he didn't do it. And therefore, he was blessed, and whatever. This is one explanation out of the five. The third uh, example I want to give you is the blessing of Isaac. You know that the story with Isaac and Rivka and, and Jacob and Esau. Okay, when when Isaac decided to give a blessing and uh, he called Esau and tells him go out, bring me some some good food to eat, and Esau is going out and Rebecca hears what he said and he, he said to to Jacob go quickly bring something something from the from the deer. And I'll make some food to your father and he will give you the blessing. And here there are actually a few questions. As we know, how could Rebecca and Jacob cheat Isaac? Uh, to get a blessing by cheating doesn't make sense. And also was was Isaac senile? He couldn't see that Esau doesn't fit to continue the the spiritual family of Israel, he cannot do it. How come he wanted to bless him? And, and the third question is, how about Esau? Was he such a righteous person, actually? Or what the story with Esau? Actually, he was right. He, he was cheated and, and they took the blessing out of him. So in order to read this story, we have to read the whole story as a package. It started when when Esau married two Canaanites against the instruction of Abraham. He married two Canaanites who were idol worshipping and Rebekah and Isaac didn't like it at all. They didn't think immediately that Esau doesn't belong to the moral spiritual family that they wanted to raise. Secondly, Esau, he didn't care about, about the firstborn, being the firstborn. He sold it to Jacob. He, he gave it up. He didn't like it. He didn't need it. He said, I don't need that. And you can have it. He sold it. But then when he comes to, to get the blessing, he said, I'm your firstborn. Give me the blessing. So actually he was the cheater. And Jacob had to fight him at the same tools. He had to cheat as well. But the most important is that uh, Bekah made a mistake because Isaac was not senile at all. He knew exactly who Esau was and who Jacob was. So he planned, a plan that didn't work, he planned to give each one of them a blessing. He, He plans to give Esau the material blessing and to give Jacob the spiritual blessing of Abraham. And this way he thought the two brothers will go together and they will build the family of Israel. But Isaac was wrong. Somebody without more like Esau cannot be part. So so what happened is that Rebecca heard that that Isaac calls Esau and tell him to bring something for to eat. She assumed that Isaac is senile, and he wanted to give the, the spiritual blessing to Esau. And she said, oh my God, he's senile. Let's go and my quick, 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 quick. We'll get the food, and you'll get the spiritual blessing. What happened? Jacob get the material blessing, because this is what, what God wanted, actually. He got the material blessing, and then when he left to, uh, to uh, Saran, to meet, uh, to meet Rachel, um, Isaac gives him the blessing of Abraham. So actually, he got two blessings. The two blessings he got. And so this is actually the story. It's actually a drama, a drama with few acts. And we can see how it develops. At the end, God achieved what he wanted. OK, these are a few examples of uh, my explanations. Basically. Based on some other commentators, but I
0: bring it all together. As a final look at your work, would you talk to us about what you've gleaned and and what you teach in Padashat Haazinu, the song Moses records for Israel in Deuteronomy 32? Yeah, that's it. Uh, uh, there is nothing special in my
1: explanation there. It's you have to you have to know how to read it, and it's actually a testimony. God uh, tells uh, Moses to. Uh, to teach this song, Azino, uh, this song, to teach it to the people until they know it by heart, and this will serve as a testimony in the future when they, in the future, sing and get into troubles, they will open the book of books, they will open Azino, uh, and and they will remember it by heart, and they will understand that it's their fault. But what what happened to them because the the people uh, as the prophets as uh, says they will be um, um they will not know how to thank god for what he did for them okay and therefore they will sin and they will worship um idols and therefore they will be punished and will be exiled and almost annihilated but god will not forget them and actually what will happen is that israel's enemy they will think that they didn't understand that they are messengers of god they will think that they achieved everything because of their power they will be proud of their power and It's going to be a big mistake, because eventually God will come back, the people will come back to God, and the enemies will be um, defeated, and there will be a victory over idol worshippers and all those murderers who killed the people, not knowing that they are messengers of God to kill the sinners, to punish the sinners. That's the story of our
0: before letting you go Effie could you tell us about any other projects you're working on
1: um actually the commentary on the, on the Torah that I wrote was actually a side work of me of mine and it, it I didn't write it as a bible researcher I wrote it as a as a layman who read the books and commentaries and want to put them all together in in, in, a, in a simple language so people will be able to read it and understand what's written in it. My actual uh, academic work, as I said before, it was uh, dedicated to the 19th century, 20th century Judaism and the modern era. And uh, on that, I wrote several books. The first book was uh, my PhD and it's called uh, The Middle Way. It's on Shadal, on Rashar Hirsch, and Ma'araz Hayes, three thinkers of the 19th century, and the ways that they combined, as I said, as they combined a modernity with tradition, a Jewish tradition. Um, and then I went on to the 20th century, and even I was, I was Iran, and I got a few more books, Uh, The second book is called The Dual Truth. And this is something that I find out in Shadal's writing, Hurtzato, that he wrote, you have to find it about the dual truth. That actually the way to solve the the contradiction between philosophy and religion, between uh, the the philosophy and tradition is to believe in dual truths, to get to, to keep the approach of dual truth, meaning that we don't have one truth as we thought as we thought in the modern era, but there are at least two truths that we have to hold, although nevertheless they contradict one another from time to time. We have to understand that we have to live with this contradiction and Hold on to these two truthers, and uh, this is the only way uh, to keep uh, modernity and religion at the same time. Otherwise, all other systems are not holding on, according to my opinion. And the third book and the fourth book are uh, actually on the same issue between religion and reason, part one and part two. Uh, I dedicated the first one to uh, thinkers who hold uh, the approach of the dual truth and the second part to thinkers, to modern thinkers who couldn't believe that uh, contradiction is acceptable. And they wanted to try and solve this contradiction and I think that they couldn't do it. It's a dead end. You cannot, you cannot solve this problem without having the approach of the dual truth. My last book is called, um, I don't even remember how it is called in English. Um, it is called the essence of scholarship and its Developments. It's a collection of articles that I wrote during Corona on Judaism, all kind of commentaries on, on portions. In the in Mishnah and the Talmud, and uh, also in the in the Chumash, and it's a it's a group of it's a collection of of uh, papers that I wrote during the two coronas. So it will be two parts of this book. This is actually my work, and it's all written in Wikipedia. You can read it if you know Hebrew. Then you can also go into my website, my personal website, and and find out everything. You want to know where, where you can purchase the books? Yes. Okay. I'll tell you. The books to know Torah, uh, you can find in Amazon, not expensive. And also my other books, they all, my PhD and the other books that I mentioned, were all translated to English and they are all in Amazon and also in, uh, in Hebrew, you can get
0: them at the uh, Carmel, Carmel publishing house in Jerusalem in their website. Effie, it's been a delight hearing about your Torah commentary. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Friends, you've been listening to New Books and Jewish Studies, a channel of the New Books Network. Until next time, goodbye.